she deserves a peaceful environment to grow up in and she deserves a safe home. And so that's when the Lord actually guided me and led me um, on the path to be able to be set free from it. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. Wendy, um, when you were growing up, uh, either in sports... I'm, or, hey, wait, I'm still or, growing up. Well, that's true. Yeah, you're never really going to get there, I don't think. <laughs> but when you're into sports or board games or whatever, did you, once in a while, stop and go, hey, wait a minute, I, I need a do-over? All the time. I figured. Because <laughs> I want to win. I want to win the game. Yeah, do-over, who doesn't? Well, how many times in life? Do we wish we could have a do over? Seriously, because right? we want to win at life in all areas. You're going to hear a fascinating well. story today from a woman who is an unbeliever, but just called out to God and basically said, I need, I need a, a do over. If you're there, <laughs> give me a do over. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Today's show, um, we have Lily Mishi, and she was born and raised in a Muslim family in Tehran, um, Iran. At the age of 18, her family moved to the U.S. through a chain of painful hardships relating to her rights as an uh, Iranian woman, Lily came to discover Christianity and in her freedom found in her own testimony, she has developed a heart for Iranian women who, like herself, have undergone similar oppression and loneliness. Yeah, so with a passion to live life on purpose, uh, Lily serves in a ministry called Iran Alive. She's now the director of uh, Partners Relations. And you know, she first heard about this ministry from a satellite television program and encouraged in hearing the gospel from an Iranian woman in a way that she could understand uh, her passion for Christianity grew so much so that she went on to pursue education in Bible college, uh, learning more about the faith and history of Christianity. Yes, I just adore her. And professionally, she's operated in several Fortune 500 companies, boutique retail banking institutions, and in wholesale invest in investing in the financial industry. Today, she's one of those Proverbs 31 women. I know, uh, she just do it all. I love it. God has blessed her because of her obedience yes. and her faith. So anyway, enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Lily Meshi, to your biggest breakthrough. We are honored to have you. Yeah. It's it's so good to have you, uh, Lily, because um, we sort of feel like we already know you. Right. Uh, <laughs> since, in, what is it, episode 112? Yeah, episode 112. With Dr. Uh, Hermos Shariat, and he's the founder of Iran Alive Ministries, which you're a very integral part of. So we're going to hear more about how that all came together. But kind of feel like uh, we've got a little glimpse in your life already, but excited to hear more about your story. Absolutely, Todd and Wendy. Wendy, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It is an absolute honor to be here today. Mm. Well, we are excited to dive in because I feel like you're going to bring this other this other kind of side of the ministry and and through your story, just something that's uh, going to be so relatable to a lot of people uh, on on some level. Uh, but I want to jump right in to. Because based on your story and your bio, it seems that you've already lived a lot of life. <laughs> you, uh, your path has had a few curves, and along the way, some of those curves have left you a little bit 
kind of blindsided, if you will. So let's talk about uh, where and how you grew up. Let's start there and then we'll kind of unravel your story. Of course, I was born in Iran into a nominal Muslim family. I um, also um, was raised in Iran up until I was 16. Um, so growing up, I um, witnessed my mom and dad um, being very God honoring for what they knew. Uh, they always wanted to do the rituals because they knew that there was a God. Um, they um, knew that, you know, Islam has um brought in um, this God that um, they tried to connect with through the rituals and the performance that they were they were um, doing. And so they taught us to be God honoring from early on. And so um, we were also doing those practices, the Islamic practices, just to be able to really be on the good side of God to earn his favor. Growing up, um, my view of God was um, always this you know, um, supreme being who is sitting up in heaven and looking down on us, being all angry and mad and, um, and just witnessing us to make a mistake so that he can, he could punish us. So I wanted to try my best to be on his good side, to do everything I can, lest I make him upset with me. And so this was ingrained in me. This was ingrained in my family. We wanted to earn his favor. Yeah, wow. I have to stop you there because you're you're just talking to a whole bunch of people right yeah, now. Yeah, not just who, coming from Muslim backgrounds, but yeah, other backgrounds who but, have been there. Yeah. I mean, I'm even relating a little bit to my own story uh, growing Catholic, up. Yeah. yeah, growing up in the in the Catholic Church, and I, I think the Catholic Church is great. But but so many of us grew up thinking that if we don't earn God's favor, we're not going to go to heaven. He's not going to love us, and so we we at some point in time, it's like, it's just too overwhelming. Like I can't deal with this anymore. So just for a moment here, just talk to that person who feels a little stuck because they thought, well, shouldn't I just be keeping the 10 commandments and everything's going to be okay? Yes. Yes. And I was the exact same way, as you mentioned, Todd, um, it, you know, keeping the 10 commandments, um, being a legalist and, you know, making sure that it's cut and dry, black and white, do this, or you're going to go to hell. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you do this, you may be able to find your well. There's no guarantee, absolute no guarantee that you are going to be in heaven, but the, every little bit of good you do, you have help the poor, you feed the hungry, you um, do your five times of prayer, you wake up early in the morning to do your prayers and, um, you know, break out of a meeting to do your prayers in public places so you can show off. All those little things that you do, you may be able to accumulate enough on the scale to be able to earn God's favor. How and exhausting. so I grew up that way. I grew right. up this way. And I grew up begging God for, um, for um, you know, giving me my requests, granting me my, my prayer requests. And um, just, you know, th that's how I grew up. And I, looking back now as a Christian, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do something to change this Islamic cultural dispositions that, that was ingrained in every single one of us and just changes our worldview, changes our view on God and our outlook on God. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. We can run to his throne boldly and talk to him in person. 
and just knowing that we are loved, we are blessed, we are accepted. And, and he has not withheld any good things from us. I mean, if he gave his only begotten son to us, what more can he do for us? Just changing and renewing this perspective through the word of God. I am forever grateful for that. And my, my life mission is to be able to pass this on to my fellow Iranians and to anyone that I come encounter, encounter with. Well, you're absolutely beautiful inside and out. And if someone is watching on YouTube, you will confirm that statement with me. Um, but it's the Christ in you that that makes you so beautiful and your passion. And and you are on a mission to, to help others see their true identity in Christ. And I know you have a passion for women, uh, especially being an, uh, you know, an Iran- Iranian woman that has experienced both sides, right? I, I want us to get back to kind of the story of, of you living in Iran. And then how did you get here? And how did you come to Christ? Like there's so many missing links that we need to uh, connect the dots with first. Yes, absolutely. So um, basically, when I was 16, my dad's very successful business went bankrupt. And my parents decided that they wanted to move us kids to Germany, um, want to give us better opportunity for growth and not having to deal with you know, the bankruptcy of my dad's. My dad was very honoring in the community in which we were. Uh, He was very respected um, in his own family, the eldest son of 14 kids and all of that. And so it was just their pursuit of moving us away from the disgrace of the bankruptcy and all that. My my parents always sheltered my two sisters and I and wanted to kind of give us the best life that they could give us to the best of their ability. And so we moved to Germany and um, life changed very drastically. I mean, we moved from a very large three-story house in Iran, um, you know, we were going to private school. We were, you know, treated as elite family type thing. And we moved to Germany to a, a two-bedroom apartment with my cousin um, and her three children. So there, wow. uh, there was me, my younger sister, my mom, and the five of them. So eight people in a very small two-bedroom apartments. We were just like in shock. We were like, how long are we going to live like this? My mom was like, until we can get our status here and we can, you know, you guys um, can start going to school and um, all of that. And so we didn't even have a corner to just go to and just cry because my dad was left in Iran. My older sister couldn't get a visa to come to Germany. So the two of them were still in Iran. It was just my mom and my two sisters in Germany. And so um, it was a very difficult process. Um, my dad came and visited us one time. He was broken at, you know, around age 55 or so. He had lost everything he had worked his entire life. Um, and so he was very broken. His family wasn't with him. And so he didn't see much opportunity in Germany. And so he um, moved to the U.S. to kind of um, find a new venture, a business venture for himself to be able to reunite his family again and to start from, from ground zero, basically. Mm-hmm. And so my uncle um, 
had been in the U.S. in Austin, Texas for back then for over 30 years, very established um, restaurant businessman. And so he kind of um, got with him and uh, wanting to help my dad start a new business. He brought in um, another Persian guy to be able to basically as a franchisor of a restaurant to sell his franchise to my dad to be able to start a new new business there. And so during this process, my dad became very close to this other guy, which um, was his business partner. And so my dad one day um, was talking to me and he said, Lily, this guy, he's Persian. He has been very helpful in really helping me begin my, my own business here. Um, he's been, you know, with me through it all. Um, he has expressed interest in getting to know you for marriage. Um, and this came from my dad, who was overprotective over, um, you know, uh, over me, over my two sisters all growing up. He was very, um, you know, very protective, not wanting us to be around guys or anything like that. And just for me to hear him um, say, like putting his stamp of approval on this guy, asking me, encouraging me to get to know him. Um, and I had no idea. I'm like, in my 18-year-old mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, does that mean I get to talk to my dad's partner? And how amazing is that? Mm. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, my dad was my hero. Mm. Like anything he said, I wanted to live up to his expectations. I was like, absolutely, dad, anything you say. And, wow. and granted, now looking back after 20 some plus years, it was that patriarchal society that we I grew up in. And so the the um male usually dominates even if you know with they have so much influence over their their daughters, wives. And so when the dad says, hey, talk to this person, get to know, get to know him, I'm like, I'm not gonna say no to him. You, don't you know, no, wait, so, yeah. and Lily, I was thinking too, you know, in your culture, that's not uncommon. Whereas in our culture, for a father to say to a daughter, look, I got somebody I want you to really consider here pretty seriously. I mean, there's not even a twinge of a thought in our culture in that way of thinking that somehow there would be kind of a, quote, arrangement that would be made. Totally. But totally. so you could, number one, you had a great relationship with your dad. So you could trust that he wanted the best for you. Yes. So when and he told you he that. Did. Yeah, yes. it, well, exactly. But he when thought he thought he did. Right. Right, 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 right. And when he when he told you that, it's not like you were like overwhelmed with fear, like, well, that's so weird. I mean, this was not weird for you, correct? So you could go forward on this. And yeah. that's exactly my point, um, Todd. Um, there and this goes back to that cultural um corrupt practices that we grew up in, and it was so common arranged marriages. I grew up with that. Seeing young girls marrying guys that are much older than them was very common, everyday practice in Iran. And so it wasn't very uncommon until I actually came to the West and my eyes opened up yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such an evil practice. Why well, do a lot of it is for political yes. status or whatever, right? A lot Not of it, always <laughs> it, it's yeah. one is because of the influence of Islam. So back um, after the revolution of 1979, the um, legal age for a girl 
um, was lowered to nine from 18 to nine. Wow. So it is legal oh in Iran oh. for young, girls at as young as nine years old to be given to marriage. And can you imagine this? A lot of families, honestly, um, the financial crisis in Iran is just unheard of. It is people, about 32% of the population lives below the poverty line. And so a lot of these arranged marriages is because families are not able to financially support that their daughters and they're just, you know, they kind of force them into marriages, which we get testimonies every single day at Iran Alive Ministries. We hear most of these marriages turn out toxic and abusive because of financial disadvantages that women have and men just take advantage of that situation. And and it's yeah. just a lot of addiction is involved and they're just, you know, there's just very sad. It's, it's so sad. And so that's another reason why I'm so passionate about speaking about these, um, these types of practices such as arranged marriages, temporary marriages. I don't know well, if you've we're, heard. Illy, we're, we're going to understand more about that passion, but you got to take us back because you've yeah. left us hanging we, on we, a we cliff here. About- <laughs> All right. Daddy's daddy says, like, you got to meet this guy. <laughs> what, what happened after that? So let's go back to the story. And yeah. so um, um, got to meet this guy. He's amazing. All of that. I didn't even know he was 14 years older than me. And so um, started talking to him um, from the get-go. I sort of sensed that very um, controlling presence, very jealous presence, insecure, all of that. And so I just turned a blind eye to it, just went on with it. And um, six months later, I was able to get my visa to go to the U.S. My dad and um, his business partner picked me up from the airport and from the moment that I actually arrived in Texas, in Austin, Texas, I felt as though I was already married to this guy. It was just, I mean, he treated me like we were married. It was as if, like I always say, it was like a promise was already given to him sort of thing. There was just a lot at stake at that point. My, my dad's business, my mom was still stuck in Iran. We were trying to um, bring her to the US, my two sisters were still in Germany. And so, and you probably felt like there was a lot of weight on your shoulders based on this obedience. Uh, yes. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I felt very much trapped into yeah. this because yeah. I was like, okay, if I don't go on with this, one, I'm going to have to deal with the disappointment for my dad. I don't want to disappoint him. Yeah. Two, my mom is waiting for me to get married so I can send her invitation to my wedding for her to get a visa to come to the U.S. Mm. My two ah, sisters are coming to the U.S. There was just a lot that depended on me moving forward with this. Mm-hmm. And during this process, I was also exploited by him um, before, before our marriage. And then I, that was yet another reason um, that I felt like, oh my gosh, this is a done deal. I have to go on with this marriage. And so I just saw a lot of abusive uh, traits, a lot of, you know, um, you know, controlling traits and all that, that I just turned a blind eye to. And you ended up getting married and you were married to this man for how long? 
for 14 years, 14, 14 years. years, there were, um, my days were very dark from the moment I came to the U S um, my life just turned upside down. It was just very dark, very sour. I even wanted to, um, pursue college, continue education. Cause as you can imagine, we left Iran one year before I graduated high school. And then I continued, I kind of was one year behind in Germany. And then I came to the U S and all along the way, in every country, I had to learn a whole new language. So right. I was going to ask you how many languages you yeah, probably right. know. <laughs> yes. yeah. And so it kind of left me behind. And so I was going to college and um, he would follow me to, to my classes. A couple of times I found him peeking through the windows of the door just to see who I was sitting next to, mm. I would come home, seeing him go through my phone to see who I was in touch with all that. It was just very difficult. Wow. Really very toxic. Yeah. Very it must toxic. have been there. There must've been times where you were really confused because you're doing what you think is the right thing to do, but you're also aware that there's abuse, but you're not necessarily talking about that or addressing that. And so you must've used, you, you must've felt, I mean, confused and very isolated yeah. in that place because it's just you experiencing this. No one else in and around you, correct? I mean, you didn't bring your family into the deal? Yeah. Todd, absolutely. I was frustrated because like, um, one, I sort of blamed my immediate family to put me up to this. I was confused as though, are you, do you, did you not love me enough? Why did you do this to me? And I felt, I felt so distrusting. I felt like I couldn't even, my own family um, betrayed me. Yeah. My own yeah. family trapped me in this marriage. My own wow. family caused me to get into this situation. And so it was very distressing. I felt as though everyone in the world, including my parents, were just plotting plans against me to destroy me. I was mm. very, I, I cannot tell you, um, I was at the lowest point of my life because I felt like this is my life. I'm trapped with this man who abuses me verbally, emotionally, mentally, and sometimes even physically. And I felt like there is no light at the end of this tunnel. If my own family betrayed me, what is the world going to do to me? I mean, only yeah, where do you go at this point? Where right. would I go from here? Yeah, I don't see any purpose in life. I didn't see any any, um, you know, reason to live. I was just a dead person walking every single day, just going through the motions, going through the abuse. I wish that I was dead every single morning that I woke up. Wow, it was just, just not bad. I mean, I have to say right yeah. now that you are probably speaking to somebody that is listening right now yes. that it may not have been an arranged marriage, but they're still yes. in a domestic abusive situation. Yes. And so um, I, I want you to speak on, on how God allowed you to be released from this marriage, yes. you know, just, just let's talk about that because yes. someone listening is, is afraid and feeling in their lowest of low right now. Yes, absolutely. And because and, I'm thinking too, even with, even with your Muslim faith and the yeah. disciplines that you had, God seems so far out there. Yes. So you couldn't even really come to him for actual real practical help because he was just he's already judging. He's you. this big cosmos God, right? And so how did you work through that? Yes. I remember one day I was doing some work in the kitchen and in my own um, Muslim faith, I looked up to heaven. I said, 
there is got to be a God somewhere that sees my pain. God, would you show me your true self to me? Would you, t- would you give me a do over? Mm-hmm. I cannot go on like this. It was exactly two weeks after this um, when my parents invited me over to their house and um, they, they said, Lily, we have some friends over. They want to see you. They want to visit you. Um, they had not seen you since you were little in Iran. And so they want to see you. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there is another plan plotting against me. Like <laughs> oh, no. there's something else they're going to do to me. Yeah, it's hard to trust after all of that. It was right. very, it was very bad. And and as as you can imagine, we were finally reunited together, but then we did, we couldn't have that relationship because I was so hurt and um, a lot was going on in our family. And so, and so um, I went to their house and like you know, shoulders shrugged down, like looking all depressed and just not knowing what's going on. I went in and I was hit by this wave of love and joy in their home, which Mm. I had not experienced for the longest time from, you know, forever, actually, because, you know, from the moment we got to the U.S., we were always struggling and uh, fighting. And, you know, there was a lot of crisis going on. And so, when I went into their living room, they, you know, their friends just embraced me with such pure love that I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm accepted. I feel, I felt great about it. And so they came in, their friends um, had converted to Christianity, Iranians, Muslims that um, converted to Christianity. They came in equipped. They brought Jesus's life story movie. They brought Bible. They were pray, prayfully um, there to witness to us, basically. And so in, in your parents' so own home, I mean, they're evangelizing. <laughs> they're in, evangelizing in their home. No, yeah, that's so it. good. Uh-huh. It was amazing. And so um, I sat down there um, and they were watching um, Jesus' film. And so I, I started watching it with them. And during the movie, um, the mother of, of the group said, Lily, did you know when you come to faith to Christ, um, all your past will be gone and everything will become new. And so the moment she said that, the moment she said, all your past will be gone, all things will become new. I was stricken by it. I was like, oh my gosh, didn't I ask for a do-over like two weeks ago? Wow. Didn't I ask for God to give me another chance? How would my all my past will be gone? I would love for that to happen. So that was there was a seed that was sown in me when she said that. And then I watched the entire movie, got up to leave. Um, one of the girls there said, Lily, I know you've been struggling ever since you moved to, to the U.S. We know what you're going through. And we're praying for, for God to, to really redeem your life, to set you free from all of this. Um, but do you mind if I share um, a part of the scripture with you? And I'm like, at this point, I'm so like, um, I'm so skeptical. I don't really believe in anything. I sat there. I was like, sure. I mean, share with me whatever it is on your heart. And she did not say anything. She, all she did was open the word of God to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then she skipped through all the rest of it. She read, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1, 14. 
the moment she finished reading these two verses, tears uncontrollably um, were, you know, coming, rolling down my cheek. And I looked at her, I said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I had no clue what I was saying at that point. But now I know. um, God's word is alive. Alive and active. (laughs) Alive and active. And she did not try to evangelize to me. She did, she, all she used was the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that preparedness of my heart, the, right. that other yeah. seed that the, the mother had sown in me about all things will become new when, when you come to Christ. Um, all I knew to that point before, before watching Jesus' film about Jesus was Jesus was one of the greatest prophets who had performed many miracles. I had no idea about the deity of God, the Trinity, anything about Jesus other than that. But Jesus became my Lord and Savior in that very moment. It became so real that undeniably I believed in him. It's fantastic. I'm I'm picturing this now with these words coming out of your mouth to her. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And you must have thought, who's using my mouth? (laughs) Yes. Yes, what, What else strikes me, though, Lily, is that you had that prayer of almost desperation. God, if you're really there, I got to have help. I I need a do over. And I did you have much expectation that he was going to answer that prayer? No, because right now there's somebody listening saying that's exactly what I want. But I don't know that God's going to answer that. Yeah. And yet in your case, within two weeks, he really showed up in a big way. Absolutely. I always talk about this. I, I say, if no matter what type of faith we have, no matter where we are in our walk of life, if we sincerely and genuinely seek God, God will show himself to us. That's it. Yeah, yep. Good. Sincerely seeking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So good. And Lily, um, you have a daughter. Yeah. And, um, and how old is your daughter? She's 15. She's 15. That's a fun age. Um, so she's 15 and, um, God has given you uh, an opportunity to be released from this marriage. I mean, obviously your daughter was younger at this point, but can you walk through just a little smidgen of that? And then let's talk about what you're doing now and all of that. But God is a, is a redemptive God. Absolutely. He is. Um, when my daughter was seven, um, experienced a lot of strife at home um, up until that age. Um, one day I looked at her little face and I was like, she deserves so much better than this. She does not deserve to be in a chaotic home, strifeful house um, with mom and dad fighting all the time over everything. And so it was at that moment that I had a staring in my spirit that enough is enough. Abuse has to uh, be squashed. We need, I need to end this because um, when I came to faith, um, then at that time I became a Christian girl, brought in my performance-based faith into Christianity. Now I am digging deep into the word of God, still being performance-driven, mm. still having those mindsets that the, the word of God That's says perfect. absolutely no divorce. And I'm absolutely not going to divorce. I will have a perfect spiritual resume 
where divorce has no place on it. So I will work hard on this marriage, no matter how toxic it is, no matter how abusive it is. I will isolate myself from the community. I will not have any friends so that they won't see my pain at home, but I will make sure that this marriage stands no matter how corrupt it is. And so I, I was living with that type of mindset. And so for 14 years, I felt that this was, and this was truly my own feelings. And it wasn't something that I received. It wasn't an impression that I received from the Lord or anything. I felt like, okay, Lord, now that I'm a Christian, divorce is not an option for me. Um, So then he's my assignment. I am to fix him. I am to help him with his mental instability. Mm. I am to help him get the faith and the doctrine established in him. I am to help him grow. I am to help him um, um, just um, get some sort of consistency in life. I am to be the perfect wife that he wants to have. I am to be the perfect mother he wants, all of that. God, this, this, I felt like this was my assignment. So Mm. I carried this whole thing for 14 long years until I realized this is not my cross to carry, nor is it my daughter's to carry. Mm. It, she deserves a peaceful environment to grow up in, and she de- deserves a safe home. And so that's when the Lord actually guided me and led me um, on the path to be able to be set free from it. Mm. if I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a lot of people that um, have been stuck in toxic relationships and stay because of of, you know, wanting to be perfect in, in, in the, yes. in the way that it says, yeah. To, yeah. you know, but, but that's not, um, God is a God of grace and love and mercy and he does restore and redeem. Uh, and it doesn't always look the way that we think it, it's supposed to look. So, uh, it takes courage. Yeah. And, and also you're very courageous. Yeah. It also speaks to those who aren't necessarily in a marriage like that, but they have somebody in their life. They believe that God has chosen them to, make the changes in that person's life. And that's a really fine line to yeah, walk, isn't it? Because to want to exactly. Change. You cannot control the, the thinking and the beliefs of another person. You can influence to a degree, yeah. but yes. we can't take on the role of the Holy Spirit. And, right. and it's encouraging to hear you say that because that's a really tough place to come to where I almost sense that you just, you came to that place of cold, total resignation and say, God, yes. I cannot. So I'm going to give it all over to you. And I just know as a responsible mom, I've got to move forward. So we commend you for that. That was a very difficult decision to make. I'm certain what, so I mean, like what happened after that? Because then you're going to also get, you know, probably some potential, uh, you know, feedback that would necessarily be positive. You have to face those say, well, you can't divorce or whatever. How did you walk through the, the following months and years? It was very difficult. Um, and again, my my um, primary intention was to protect my daughter because I felt like my life was already wasted. I didn't really feel that I had any future or anything like that. I, um, I, I felt like I was there to help him and I was there to be a mother to my daughter. And so um, when when this happened, then he started manipulating our daughter to want to try 
um, to want to basically keep the marriage together. And so he started brainwashing her against me and I'm an evil mother. I'm going against the word of God. Um, my family is very, very Different toxic kind of persecution. Wow. It was a persecution. And, and that came with a lot of threats and, you know, I will ruin your life. I will do this and that I, you will not see a, you know, bright, you know, future mm. and all that kind of stuff. It, it took a long time. Um, but it, but the Lord, redeemed yes Yes. the lord is your strength and i can see his strength in you and and your story is very relatable to so many women and even men that are going through uh tough relationships or tough circumstances and so i want to i want to talk about just your passion now and all that you're doing with uh iran alive ministries and and how you're even you know how you even got there to begin with. But, you know, in this day and age um, with the um, Iranian women that are really protesting and understandably so just for some basic uh, freedoms in their life, like um, this, you're, you're kind of at a crux of they're, they're at a crux of, of, of changing the course of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're very passionate a- about this as well. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing there in the ministry and how you're even helping these women um, know who their true identity is. Absolutely. So women in Iran, as, as you know, last year after the death of Masa Amini for not wearing her hijab properly, she was taken, um, to the mortality police, um, station. And so she had a heart failure and she, she died there. And so that caused, um, that caused the eruption of pent up anger in Iranian women, because for, for centuries now, like for four decades now, um, they're under the Islamic rule and they, they uh, under injustice and mistreatment, financial disadvantages, um, limited family um, rights, all kinds of rights in inequality in wages, inequality in employment. I mean, compulsory hijab, as you can imagine, can you imagine this? Um, Whitney and you, um, you are a woman and I, it just breaks my heart every time I think about it in Iran, in the Islamic law, the testimony of a woman is counted as half of man's which means if the court of law requires one testimony for a crime, two women make up one testimony. Wow. Like if she gets raped and she wants to testify against that, her own testimony is not good enough. Wow. Wow. And like, I mean, these are some of the injustice and mistreatments that women have to have to tolerate in Iran. Temporary marriages are another practice that, um, you know, because of the lack of finances, because of the economic issues mm-hmm. um, that women are really suffering from, mo- more more women than men are suffering. Because I mean, um, opportunities are a lot for men. Men can do a lot more in that in that type of um, patriarchy society. And so, um, they what they do the Islamic laws have created this 
um, practice called temporary marriages, which is really a loophole for legalized prostitution. Mm. Right. I was going to. It's ask a practice that. that allows a man to marry a woman for a predetermined period of time, whether it be one hour, two weeks, one year for a predetermined price to have sexual relations with that woman. And then after that period of time is over, the man is free to leave with no obligation. Yeah, it's a loophole to have their needs met. Met. uh, So that they're not um, looked down upon or... Yeah, right. It's, it's and it's encouraged right. by the government. Mm-hmm. It's encouraged because it's legal and right. it's justified. And it, it and women, because of financial needs, they get into those traps of things and they hate yeah. their soul. They don't know sure. what to do with themselves. Sure. It's mm-hmm. just it's a very dark place in Iran. It is, Lily. And I, I'm just I'm so grateful that you have um uh, that God has entrusted you and, and Dr. Hormoz uh, Shariat has entrusted you as well to, to just stand for these women, right? But it's not just the women in Iran. You, you see what's going on in this country as well. Yes. So I'm sure you're seeing some things that are like, whoa, whoa, I'm not yes. digging this. So yes. um, thank you for having just a strong voice. Here. Yeah, but not Absolutely. just, not just fighting for the sake of women gaining, uh, rights. Really, you're fighting for the sake of the gospel yeah, to yes. penetrate a woman's heart and a man's heart to yeah. change them from the inside out. And exactly. that's, that's what we love about your ministry, yes. because it's like you're putting first things first. You're you're helping anybody and everybody who will listen to the truth about Jesus and the gospel, an that opportunity to get, to get, yeah, to get changed so that those things become more natural and we don't practice the evils that are you know, already so entrenched. So can you give us a little maybe some stories or some examples of what's going on with you in this ministry and how you're actually delivering the gospel. How are you actually reaching out to the women of Iran? Absolutely. You mentioned something that is absolutely our heart for the, um, for reaching um, Iranians and particularly women. um, As I feel that that's my purpose um, in the ministry. I always um, say, while we're sympathizing with Iranian women, and I I was a victim of arranged marriage and those practices myself, we're not for political revolution. We are for bringing spiritual awakening because yes. these, I mean, the freedom that they can, men and women in Iran, the freedom that they can receive from getting to know Jesus on a personal level where, where his spirit is, there will be freedom. And that's the kind of freedom we are wanting to transfer through the signals of the broadcast into Iran. And we're like, no man in politics can set you free, but Jesus Mm. can set you free from from addiction, from um, economic issues, from everything, every bondage, every stronghold, yes. every injustice. He is the just God. He's the one who can set you free. So freedom can only come through Jesus. So that's come on, our preach it, primary yes. 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 
And he can free you and he can free you from unforgiveness because the reality is so, so many who have been so abused and victimized, the starting place is to receive Jesus forgiveness and then to offer it to others. And that's that's, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's right. So Lily, do you have your own TV show? Are you part of a show uh, that's broadcast? Okay. Yes. So every, every chance I get, I currently am uh, basically co-producing this, um, um, uh, this show called Modern Raising of Modern Day Esthers. Mm. Ah, and so the the, show. Yeah. it's it's amazing how we, we are ministering to women uh, using the character of Esther as a Persian queen who was married mm-hmm. to a Persian king and how her faith and her, um, you know, presence was able to uh, save her own people save her um save the jews and so today we all are called to be like esther we yes, are to stand yes. on the ground of our faith we are to stand firm we are loved by the heavenly father we are chosen by him we are knit together when we were in our mother's womb he has called us from before the foundation there for for a purpose we are chosen by him this. For such a time as this, exactly. And so this is, um, we're basically co-producing that show, especially it, um, it really got stirred up. Our hearts got stirred up from last year. We have been having, um, you know, women geared shows, um, and partnered with a lot of different, different, um, you know, women focused, um, type of, type of content, but since last year, we have been ramping up our um, our programming, our content to be able to really be focused on women truly understand their identity and who they are in mm. Christ yeah. and not by the way they are treated by men yeah. and by the society and by the government. So good. So good. Mm. Well, we love everything that you are doing yeah. and that Iran Alive Ministries is doing. Um, how can people that are listening go and watch the program or uh, also pray and support the program? Where Where's the best way to be reached? Absolutely. Um, to watch the program, which is all in Farsi. Um, ah, it is. Of course. <laughs> yes. It's, um, I could definitely give you um, the live streaming for your audience to be able to Watch it is live.shabakehaf. I'm pretty sure I have to text it to you. I think so too. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes so people can decipher it from there. Yeah. Yes. But um, our our website is iranalive.org. And um, that's where your audience can actually become an insider to be able to receive our um, weekly updates, receive testimonies from, from Iran. Like, a lot of testimonies of redemption, of restoration of marriage, of uh, receiving freedom and healing from, you know, our, all of our ministry initiatives, our, our broadcasts, our discipleship program, our training program that we receive. So we send those out uh, through email and newsletters so they can become an insider and receive those and really share them with your friends and family. Yes. Yes. God's on the move. God is on the move and they're the persecuted church in Iran. And so standing up for their faith, knowing that every minute they can be arrested and they can be executed, but they're standing for Jesus with such boldness. I mean, and, it, and so it, it's just so strengthening for our own faith, yeah. right? Yes. To know 
how they are are just rising up in their faith and absolutely and the way that they are. So, and also that's also where you can get uh, Dr. Hormoz's book, um, Iran's Great Awakening. Yes. Iran's Great Awakening. So yes. definitely want to get that. Do you have a copy of it? You want to hold it? I up? do. I do. <laughs> I saw you His reaching. Is so actually, good. I'm so glad you mentioned it. His book is amazing. It's about his journey out of Islam into Christianity some um, prophetic part of, um, you know, biblical references about the nation of Iran and how we can all partner together to bring God's promise into Iran. According to Jeremiah 49, 38, we believe that the Lord said, I will set my throne in Elam, which is inside of Iran. And he needs people to be able to really bring his throne in Iran. And that's a bold uh, mission. That's a bold statement we're making, but nothing shall be impossible with God. Yes, right? That's right. That's wow, right. That's oh, good. we so appreciate you, Lily. Thank you for all you're doing with Iran Alive Ministries and just personally. And I look forward to meeting you in person soon. So yes. Thank same. you so much. Thank you so much for having podcast. me on your right. show and the opportunity that you gave me to share my story. Mm. Oh, God bless you, you sister. God bless right. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Yes, you too. Wow. Loved having Lily on the show. Um, just an incredible yeah. um, story. And it's just, I mean, she shines brightly. She shines uh, really because bright. Because the, the reality because of she the, sees and the spirit of the Lord in right. her is just exactly. very real. Uh, there's a little YouTube uh, video testimonial of hers as well. We'll yes. put that in the show notes. It's yeah. Lily Meshi and it's M-E-S-C-H-I. Yes. You could just Google that or search it in YouTube. And it's uh, just a very, yeah, it's a very tender, you know, about 12 minute uh, yeah. video that really tells her story. So good. What an honor to have her on. And, and again, we had Dr. Hormoz uh, Shariat on uh, episode 112. So make sure you check that out. Yeah. And again, go to uh, iranalive.org to check out their ministry because you do want to support, you do want to check out what's, what's going on and how their ministry is making a difference because it will uh, also uh, take your faith to another level. Yes, indeed, well. it will. It'll strengthen your faith and <laughs> so, cause you to be even more grateful for the love that God has shown you through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. We'll catch you next time. Be blessed. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.